0: So it's Christ the King Sunday. This also happens to be the last Sunday after Pentecost, which means that this really is the kickoff to the Advent season. And lest Angela get upset with us, we must not forget Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Preach. It's true, though. We we tend to bypass Thanksgiving and get right to the Christmas season out there in the cultural world, out there in the secular world. Christmas, uh, the season of Christmas, um, we like to hurry up and get to it, and then, lo and behold, it's all over, and we look back at it, and we wonder what all the fuss was about. Um, This... Season of instant gratification and then ultimately a lack of fulfillment. Why? Because we focused on all the wrong things. We forgot to pause and be thankful for what God has done. And the, the most significant thing that God has done for us is he has given us the gift of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. And so it behooves us, I think, to stop just for a little while and be thankful. Now, depending on your circumstances, you might be thinking, as we do every year around this time, what have I really got to be thankful for? If you've endured COVID, if you've endured this Season of COVID since, well, the beginning of 2020. It has been the predominant name that is on the hearts and minds of the entire world. Think about that for a moment. The world that God created, the world that Jesus saved. And all we can think about is this disease called COVID. So depending on where you are, who you are, what your life experience has been, not just these past two years, but in general, depending on what kind of order or disorder you find yourself in today, the tone in which you ask yourself, The question, what have I got to be thankful for, that may vary from person to person. Because if life is good and circumstances are in your favor, you may have a lot to be thankful for. You might look around at everything that you are blessed with, if we can use that vernacular, and say, I'm very thankful for all that I have. On the other hand, if your life has been tumultuous, if it's been chaotic, if you've suffered through illness or the illness of a loved one, if, if things have not gone your way recently, if your life in general has not been one of favor, then you might address that whole issue of thankfulness with a completely different tone. You might be thinking, what on God's green earth have I to be thankful? It's been a hard road and things have not gone my way. You might be thinking it sometimes comes down to circumstances. See, in the natural world, it sometimes comes down to circumstances and our circumstances tend to dictate the tone in which we express or fail to express this thing called faith, that thankfulness. I think that perspective generally holds true until we get our minds wrapped around just what exactly should we be thankful for? It comes down to the worldview versus the Christ view and we talk about that a lot here see in our scripture selections for today we see king David in second Samuel he's declaring that he is in fact king of Israel not by his own merit not because he's one heck of a guy and God picked him because he was so righteous no He's there by the sovereign grace and authority of the one true God. And he declares that everything that he's ever written, every song he's ever written, every song he's ever put to music, all of his accomplishments as king were made possible by the inspiration and favor of the real sovereign, the Lord of all. And he declares that the king, any king who rules righteously has to be following the one true God. Because righteousness comes from the one true God. And that king who rules righteously, his kingdom is light and life. That's the Christ view. But then he also says at the end of that passage of scripture, the wicked are like thorns, which are to be burned up in the fire. See, that's the worldview, the way of darkness and chaos, the way of the wicked. And so then we moved on in our readings to the uh, Psalm 132, which is a psalm about David, wherein David is to be remembered. Why? Because he brought the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark that contained the law of God, the Ten Commandments. He brought that Ark to Jerusalem, the seat of Israel's power, so that all the people of God would have a baseline of what righteousness looks like. Do these things, keep these commandments, and you will be righteous. The Ark of the Covenant to the people of God, which contained those Ten Commandments, that law of God, showed the people what the standard of righteousness was. What the Christ view was. Now, the reality was that not a single person could ever attain the high standard that God had set. All those Ten Commandments, there's not a one single living person before Jesus Christ came to earth. Not one single person had the ability to keep God's law. Because the worldview was that sin had enslaved the people of God. But David decided that God's law should be the center of the kingdom of God. And so he brought the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem and God honored David's action. Bringing the Ark of the Covenant to rest in Jerusalem. So he swore to David a promise that one of David's line would occupy his throne forever. And so then we moved on to the epistle today, which was in Revelation. And we hear John describe in his vision the fullness of God's promise coming to fruition. It says, Grace and peace to you from the one who is and was and is coming from Jesus Christ, the ruler of the kings of the earth. Again, the Christ view. It's easy for us mere humans to get sucked into the worldview. We're we're so easily distracted by things that promise satisfaction, by shiny objects that draw our attention away from what our soul and our spirit truly yearn for. Relationship with the one who made us and the peace that that relationship brings with it. That's what our soul craves. Peace. Oh my goodness, I can I can think of every situation I have ever been burdened with. And when it came right down to it, all I wanted was peace. Peace in my soul. We crave peace. We're designed by God for peace and for order. (laughs) Now it occurs to me that there are those out there who are not in relationship with Christ, but who God loves anyway. Is that surprising? They don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. They they don't know him. They have no idea what he did for them. And yet God loves them. And he pours out this thing that we as, as Wesleyans, as Methodists, called prevenient grace. It's, It's that grace that God gives to his people just because he created them and he loves them. Now, at the same time, those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ, those of us who are saved in Christ, have the benefit of a different kind of grace. We call it justifying or saving grace. It's the kind of grace that's only made possible through a relationship with Christ. So we have provenient grace for everyone and justifying grace for those who believe in their hearts and confess with their mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord. No one understood this distinction of this two kinds of grace better than the Apostle Paul. No one was more thankful for it, you might say, than Paul. He wrote a letter to the church in Colossae. It's, it's, it's found in the book of Colossians in the Bible. Listen to what he writes. He says, may you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the father. Who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. Did you hear that? Be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the father. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him, all things in heaven and our earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him, all things hold together. through this letter to the church of the Colossians. See, he's telling us to stick it out through the tough times, not by relying on willpower, but by relying on God's power. Let me say that again. He's telling us, stick it out through the tough times, Not by relying on willpower, but by relying on God's power. God's power is the kind of strength that endures the unendurable. It's the kind of strength that spills over into joy and causes us to thank God the Father who makes us strong enough to see the beautiful in the midst of all the ugliness. To see the the peace in the middle of all the chaos to see the brightness and the hopefulness of the light that cuts through the darkest night of our souls. Have you had a dark night of the soul? Have you been so consumed by a struggle, maybe for yourself or for someone else, that it's all consumed, it's all you see, it's all you feel. You go to sleep worrying about it, you wake up, and it's still there. You eat, drink, and sleep, and worry. Maybe it's the health of a loved one. Maybe it's a financial burden. Maybe it's a, a, a relationship issue within your family. There is so many things that can cause us to be all consumed by the struggle. This is what we call the dark night of the soul where hopefulness is somewhere out there beyond our reach. Have you been there? Have you seen that? Have you lived that? But see, We worship a God who rescues us from the pit. A God who transforms us and transports us into the midst of the Holy Trinity by the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us as believers in Jesus. This is the God who set us up for life in the kingdom of the son that he loves so much. Sets us up for life, we ask What have I got to be thankful for? And this is it. We look at the sun and we see the God who cannot be seen. We look at the sun and we see God's original purpose in everything that he created. Everything, absolutely everything. Above, below, visible, invisible. In Jesus, we see God's purpose for us. And and still, some of us are asking, what have I got to be thankful for? We look at the Son of the Most High God and we see that He holds it all together. He holds us all together. He holds our situation in the palm of His hands. If we were to fall, He would catch us. The Son of the Most High God. He was supreme in the beginning. He will be supreme in the end. From beginning to end is there... He's there above everyone and everything. He's so big that he towers above my struggles. He's so big that he towers above my circumstances. Whatever they may be, he's bigger than they are. That's the God who we worship. He's bigger than all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, including the broken pieces of your life. Things. He fixes things he fixes people he fixes relationships he fixes circumstances he fixes things all things get properly fixed and put back together in perfect vibrant harmony all because of his death his poured out blood pouring down from the cross covering our transgressions and giving us new life because of his victory over death. See, through him, we share in the resurrection. And even then, some of us have the audacity to ask, what have I got to be thankful for? This Thanksgiving, there are people out there who are saved by the grace of God. God. Who go to church every Sunday, who go to Bible study, and they ask, what have I got to be thankful for? This to me, and I'm just, just, this is just an opinion, mind you, but I think the reason that all of the world, including Christians, go straight from All Hallows Eve to Christmas And bypass this season of thanksgiving because they truly don't grasp what it is they have to be thankful for. They see their circumstances, they see their struggles, they see all the things going on in their life that cause disorder and chaos, and they don't see... That if they would unburden themselves to the God that created them. And accept that Jesus Christ came to redeem them from all of that. That there is joy to be had. There is cause for thanksgiving. What is thanksgiving? What is true thanksgiving? It's it's understanding, first of all, that your circumstances don't define your worth. Your circumstances don't define who you are. They don't define your place in God's kingdom and they certainly don't define your ability to be joyful. See, true thanksgiving is accepting this free gift of grace through Christ and choosing to abide in him in good times and in bad times. In times of plenty and in times of want. In times of health and wealth and times of sickness and poverty. Why? Because in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on heaven or on earth, by making peace through the blood of his cross. And so it's Christ the King Son. We worship a servant king. Sovereign to be sure. The judge of all things. The creator of all things. But one who came to sacrifice himself. So that you and I. Might have eternal life with him. What have I to be thankful for? I am in relationship with the one true God. Because of the sacrifice of his Son through the power of his Holy Spirit. That dwells in me. And dwells in you too. Whatever your circumstances this year. Whatever you are emerging out of. Whatever you're in the midst of. Whatever you're going into. You can always be thankful for the God who redeemed.